and salutations and welcome back. This is the Northern Miner Podcast and I'm your host Matthew Keevil coming to you the week of October 3rd. And we are once again brought to you by our friends at the Yukon Mining Alliance. Please do surf by the Yukon Mining Alliance website and check out all the exciting mineral activity that's going on in the territory. I uh, have an exciting show lined up here. Uh, we will be dropping into Leslie's Geology Corner. Uh, we have a really cool segment this week. Um, uh, loyal readers will know if you got a subscription. Uh, last week, we had our Quebec special come out uh, in in print. Um, and uh, one of the things Leslie always does is we look at the geology of, of different regions. Um, and so we're going to dig into Quebec gold deposits a little bit today. Uh, talk about uh, Canadian Malarctic, Asisco, Falco, um, uh, Sigma Lamoc, which is with Integra now um and dig into orogenics greenstones some cool gold deposit stuff um leslie's gonna lay it all out for you do a little bit of comparative uh cross deposit kind of uh discussion on uh different gold mineralizations in the province and stuff like that um so that's gonna be really fun We'll hop in over to that pretty soon. But first, uh, I just want to run through a few, um, well, economic things that are making headlines over the last week and could be affecting our commodity prices. People may have noticed gold was on a bit of a uh, downward trend last week, uh, close to about 13, 15 an ounce. Um, and, uh, that was largely driven by actually, uh, well, people will probably be following along the Deutsche Bank, uh, big German bank issue. Um, there was some questions around solvency, whether they were, uh, some, uh, once again, mortgages reared their ugly head in this, uh, this scenario. Um, and, uh, but, uh, Agence France Presse reported on Friday that the German lender is nearing a pact to pay the U.S. Department of Justice $5.4 billion. Now, that might sound like a lot, but that's less than half the initial amount requested by the U.S. Department of Justice uh, to settle a probe related to, you guessed it, bad mortgages. Uh, the bank is also reportedly poised to reach an agreement with labor representatives to cut jobs, Um and uh, so this, they, they think it might not be too bad. So we won't have the failure of a, a large European bank, which is great. It's great news. Um, but that's one of the reasons that sort of, um, you know, markets were sort of weighing that against uh, British PM, uh, the new prime minister in Britain following uh, following the uh, the Brexit vote. Uh, Theresa May uh, pledged to start pulling the UK out of the EU by March of next year. So markets are kind of balancing all oh, the good macroeconomic news, maybe Deutsche Bank's in better health than expected versus what's going on with Brexit, um, which has always been just a huge uncertainty for us. Um, so that's one of the reasons gold was down a little bit. Uh, things aren't looking too uh, volatile macroeconomic wise. So, um, and some of the U.S. numbers came out recently uh, with the payrolls were a little bit better than expected, or at least uh, neutral. Let's like we can expect things to be <laughs> neutral's good. Yeah, we don't want surprises. Uh, so gold was at thirteen fifteen, roughly per ounce uh, at the time of recording. Silver was at $18.92 per ounce. And copper, which has bounced back on uh, just some little whisperings that we've heard that the Chinese economy might be... um, well, not just performing well, but they've also uh, been looking at um, uh, sort of controlling their mineral extraction industries a little bit more. This will factor into something on Met Coal that we're going to discuss shortly, because um, metallurgical coal has been bouncing back on some moves uh, out of China. But we will talk about that a little bit as we move forward here. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil was at $49.35 per barrel at the time of recording. Uh, there is the whispers out there, again, also of the OPEC deal, possibly Russia and Saudi Arabia signing on to deal with this oversupply issue. So we don't know exactly um, 
any any sort of firm details on that, but that is out there, and that is uh, sort of you know giving oil a little bit bounced off the forty dollar forty four to forty dollar range up closer to fifty. So it's something to follow along with um, if you're uh, if you're looking for some macroeconomic news. There's lots of stuff out there on that, so I'd highly recommend uh, reading up on the uh, on the oil. Uh, I know it's, we're a mining show, but follow that too is it's really interesting stuff um so before we get into uh leslie's geology corner which uh i'm super excited about i actually want to chat a little bit about the metallurgical coal stuff because it, it's pretty interesting um it also obviously has a huge bearing on tech resources which uh vancouver based uh has a lot of um exposure to metallurgical coal in uh in bc um but uh what we've seen uh in our uh editor-in-chief john coming actually wrote a nice editorial on this um and we've discussed it touched on a little bit on the podcast previously is that um We've seen a significant bounce in seaborne met coal um, up up to around US $210 per ton. uh, And that's compared to $102 per ton in July. So we're talking about like people are like, whoa, this is this is uh, to a degree unexpected. I don't think anyone really was predicting a large bounce back in metallurgical coal. And uh, be it, it's just, just, just a question around supply security. And uh, so one of the things that we've been talking about is that uh, this is a lot to do with China's National Development and Reform Commission. Um, And one of the things that came out recently was that uh, they've bowed to pressure pressure and agreed to relax a current 276-day working limit for coal mines uh, coming up for the fourth quarter um, because they want to meet demand for upcoming winter season and put a cap on rising domestic prices. Um, So this is back in April. uh, The Chinese government imposed this limit on coal mines um, as part of what they're calling supply side reforms, um, which serve to reduce uh, year to date production by around 10 percent. So what what's happening here is um, this is more actually thermal coal related, but people took it as a met met coal potential met coal uh, impact as well. So we're talking about here is the uh, China's National Development Reform Commission, the NDRC. and it's just there. Just want to make sure there's enough heating for the winter. They're like they're like, oh, we might have it might have been too stringent a uh, cutback on domestic production, etc. Right. Um, but uh, one of the things that analysts noted is is uh, they actually the NDRC, so uh, China's China's Reform Commission, put out sort of a news release. Um, but one of the the analysts noted that there's not a lot of mention of met coal in here. Um, so sort of the moral of the story here that we're talking around is that uh, there was an indication that maybe they might be supply uh, easing a restraint on met coal, seaborne met coal, as well as thermal. But there we don't have actual official um, word of that. There is talk of easing the 276-day the working limit uh, for thermal, but we have not heard yet whether China will be uh, uh doing this for both metallurgical and thermal coal. So there might have been a bit of an overreaction on, on seaborne met coal prices based on uh, some of these news releases that are coming out of China. Um, but it's just interesting to follow along because it has been such a hot topic recently. And there are um, it, it has a, a, quite an impact for us in, on the west coast of Canada, uh, you know, as far as job creation and stuff, because there is some latent um, metallurgical coal potential, not to mention thermal as well. Um, but uh, in in some of the south central BC coal basins, um, that yeah, if prices remain more firm up uh, in in both regards, um, we could see more reactivations of projects, et cetera, et cetera, maybe a few more jobs created. So it's something we just like to follow along and all that, uh, just keep everybody up to date on. Um, but it's interesting, from especially from a macroeconomic perspective. Um, and as always, we're, we'll keep our eye on China and <laughs> what the, the, the news releases are, you know, it's, it's a... 
it's a unique regime, so we, we do what we can with them. Um, but uh, yeah, without further ado, uh, let's get into um, the uh, we are powering forward with yet another and uh, we're going to talk Quebec. Um, I won't corner. spoil it. And this week, uh, I'll let you get right into it, um, and then I'll be back on the flip side to talk right. a little bit of because um, we did just have our Quebec special came oh. out. There's some really nice stuff in there on a Cisco mining um, and a few other companies that are very active in Quebec. Um, and Leslie did, as usual, her big geology roundup of the province. Yeah. Which I, we want to talk about this though. One of the issues we were talking about is geology doesn't really follow uh, national borders too it well. Definitely, it, you know. <laughs> it definitely doesn't. It, it doesn't. So as you're moving along right. here, doing province to province, you, you you said to me that sometimes you see a little bit of overlap as the. Uh, Especially on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the geological provinces don't necessarily line up with the uh, the, te- <laughs> the territorial provinces, as they no. say. So, um, but Quebec's interesting because it's very hot right now. Um, we've seen companies drilling a lot of meterage there this year. So many meters. Um, Integra, as always, is absolutely. Going crazy with the drill bit at uh, Cisco mining, one hundred fifty. Yeah, 000? a Cisco um, Falco's drilled quite a bit at the oh, Horn uh, deposit. I think. Uh, yeah, serious resources at the Chichu deposit, right. which is Chichu. near uh, Gold Corp Eleanor. So yeah, there's there's absolutely like I'm sure we're missing about fifteen companies too that yeah. are drilling at least five thousand meters this year. Um, so let's just dig right into it. So this is Leslie's Geology Corner, and we're going to talk. Quebec. Yes, we are. I love talking geology. It's so cool. Um, (laughs) So yeah, if you haven't checked out this Quebec Geology Metal Districts article that I did, check it out because seriously, there's nothing out there quite like it. I spent a lot of time researching, (laughs) um, figuring out what to go in it, what what not to miss. Um, And so yeah, check it out. Absolutely. So I think that whenever I do up these articles, there are certain themes that stand out for me that I just think to myself, oh gosh, that's really interesting. I've never really considered that or delved deeper into this thought. And sometimes I can't really write about it because <laughs> it's a little bit more of a... Sci- you know, really scientific? Yeah, yeah. Just, or really scientific or just just a really cool observation, something creative. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that I'd dedicate this week's Geology Corner to talking about Archean porphyries. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't even know that was a thing, to be honest. It is, it is. And this is, this is, this is uh, you mentioned to me before we went on air, this is, I was cheating here, but Malarctic is, Canadian Malarctic is an example yeah, of well, the... well, I'll get right into that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, most economic porphyries are, tend to be Jurassic or younger. So about 200 million years ago to like maybe 30 million years, even younger. So that's generally how most porphyries fall into. But Archean porphyry systems, you know, can date back 3.75 billion years to 2.5 billion years ago. It's, it's a super controversial, like deposit type. Okay, so this is like uh, a moving target science. There's some different arguments. Oh, yes. People don't necessarily agree. To the point where people often skirt around the word Archean porphyry, and a perfect example is Osisco Mining and its Canadian Malarctic, right? Yeah, now now Yamana Agnico joint venture. That's right. So they have about 5.2 million ounces production in that district alone, and this deposit has like 10 million ounces of gold in the resource. And if you go to their website, they say that the deposit is, quote unquote, a large tonnage, low grade, widely disseminated, gold bearing pyrite within porphyritic felsic to intermediate intrusions and altered metasediments. Which is basically <laughs> as close as you can get to saying the word porphyry mm-hmm. without having to say it. And, and um, these are fully gold porphyries, then there's no. 
not much, that much copper. Not no. that much copper in them. I have no idea why. Somebody yeah. else who's listening probably knows. No, I know. <laughs> um, but I can't get into that. So um, the reason why they're so disputed is because like these rocks are so friggin' old. Can I say friggin' on here? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. So um, they're just so old and they're too deformed to pin down the nuances seen in the mineralization and the alteration and and most of the time you can't even like tell what the original rock type was. Because it's just been like multiple stages of deposits, like pulsing through it. These rocks have been pushed down deep below the Earth's crust only to be exhumed and, and re-metamorphosed and you name it. Like these are really complicated rocks. So, you know, you get a, ge a bunch of geologists in the room talking about Archean porphyry deposits and guaranteed someone is going to get a face full of beer in the face. Or like just disagree they exist entirely. Is there like a debate on what? Because why wouldn't they use the word in the... In the, in the description of the deposit. I think it's just because it's so difficult, right, mm -hmm, to write, pin mm -hmm. it down. So I, I get it, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but regardless, like, there's several styles of, like, intrusive hosted Archean systems. Okay. Um, and they're super diverse. Obviously, the standout example is Boddington in the Yilgarn, which okay. is, like, 26 million ounces past production. Yep. And that has a bunch of different styles of mineralization. So, again, it's been disputed whether it's a porphyry system, whether it's orogenic, whether it's that. It's probably a mixed mash of all of it. Who really knows? Now, now I have a quick question here just to intercede. Yeah. Uh, I found it interesting when I talked to John Brzezinski, who was with the original Cisco and is now the CEO of the new Cisco. Um, one of the things he said was that when they came back, oh gosh, when did they do that deal? Probably, oh, seven, eight years ago. Um, they came to Canada with like a geological map. And he said they came back and they went to these old camps because these were mined historically. A lot of these places were had historic high grade mines, but they came back to look for lower grade, large scale gold, gold deposits, right? High rate disseminated. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a Cisco is specifically targeting these type of deposits. But um, my question is, is uh, where would the high grade have been that was mined historically? There would have been like a core or like a what's the relationship between the disseminated gold, say the lower grade stuff and what the like old timers would have mined in Quebec back in the like on vein, I guess. Yeah. They yeah. Would have had, like the veins. Cause yeah. um, these intrusive host deposits, it's a variety. So you can have like everything's disseminated pyrite okay. in the golden pyrite. Yep. Or you can have like this intrusive that's been like stock worked of, oh, okay. of veins and stuff. And so it's all kind of within a big, larger disseminated shell. I see. Okay. So and that's what they call the halo. So cross right? cut by shear zones, which yep. can be mineralized. Yeah. So again, there's could be like multiple different styles of deposits. <laughs> that's why they have to drill like a hundred thousand meters. Yeah. On these things, because uh, that's no like I was. I think it was Richmond Mines yeah. that reported their drill program in kilometers. Did we talk about oh, this? Oh yeah. They're right. like we were drilling one and a half kilometers, and I was like, <laughs> holy smokes, who reports their drill program in kilometers? And I'm like, that's pretty funny. But yeah, these things do take a they can cool. can take a beating using, with like, the drill bit. Doing a half marathon of drilling this year, or mm -hmm. doing a yeah. marathon. Yeah, exactly. We'll start like, yeah, we're, we're, going we're for doing a lot. Sun run and the, the, everyone, ten kilometers. The, 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 like the guy who funded it, it's like, oh god. <laughs> right. um, but uh, so you also uh, the thing Cisco's working on now is windfall. Yeah, I really wanted to mention well yeah. windfall because again, you know, thinking about the context of Archean porphyries, Canadian malarctic, what does Cisco Mining did for Canadian malarctic. Um, and how they're suddenly doing it again at Windfall. Mm -hmm. Now, Trish, a writer in Toronto, wrote an excellent article. She's such a good writer, hey? Yeah. Trish is amazing. So, well, everyone's amazing. But anyway, so she wrote this fantastic article about a Cisco mining at their um, urban berry property, the Windfall deposit, which they say is going to be, like, might be a company maker. They, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good branding <clears throat> term. Which it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same yeah. thing they did with Canadian Malarctic. That yeah. was a company maker. And then so now they're suddenly doing it again. Now windfall is crazy because I mean when you look at the Abitibi and all the greenstone belts north of there, they all fall along those regional suture zones, right? Mm -hmm. So Cadillac, Larder Lake, suture zone, there's so many deposits. There's Valdor, there's Canadian Malarctic, you know, you name it. And then you go up north along these other um, trending fault lines, there's other deposits like Timmins. Yeah. And, and when you go up north, um, you have this unnamed suture zone on most company mm -hmm. presentations because there hasn't been anything significant found there yet. And that happens to be where um, Windfall is. And so I just thought it was really neat because there they have this team of geologists who came into the Abitibi and came up with like this new, kind of newish or re-emerged re this deposit style um, and then created like, you know, uh, basically had the Canadian Malarctic that came out of that idea. And now they flushed out into the rest of the belts. Yeah, and they're yeah. finding the same thing. The similar mineralization. Yeah, right. And and interesting, just to note, um, a Cisco didn't actually discover this. No, um, they they acquired it uh, through a business merger. I think last during their big spat of mergers, when they when they acquired a lot of maybe four or five companies, uh, one of the ones they picked up was. Eagle Hill Exploration, I believe, um, but uh, they had already got windfall to, I think, preliminary economic assessment stage when they were taken out by Osisco. And this is quite an interesting uh, commentary on the market over the last, like, let's say two years, because this deposit that was, you know, well on its way to being delineated and moved towards feasibility, etc., yeah. the bottom fell out so bad that Oban... Now Cisco picked it up for not a whole lot, I'll and see. now it's a company builder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. That's how this and it could change pretty quick. So it's well, funny to see that Windfall um, could have, might have, even up to three million ounce gold. Yeah, um, and they think it's going to become a whole new district. They say the geology is similar to Malarctic. Mm -hmm. I went on their company presentation, and it's really neat because they had all these pictures of rocks and and age dates and stuff, and really pushing this concept of more of an intrusive, related sort of mineralization rather than your traditional shear-hosted stockwork gold. Yeah. Um, kind of like what you see down at Integra's in, property, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they said it's like the the mineralization there is in these large pyritic stockworks. It's in shear zones. It's in crustiform veins and tension veins. But they say that the gold is associated with a 2.7 billion year old porphyry dikes. Okay. They found that there's a 21 million year difference between the volcanics. So like, you know, the, the volcanoes that spew to create like the, these greenstone belts mm -hmm. and these cross-cutting porphyry dikes with the gold. And that is similar to the other mining camps that you even see down in Valdor. Okay. So again, I'm just like kind of put, holding my hands here when it comes to this. I'm just like, oh my God, what... What is all this anymore, right? When it comes to orogenic gold systems that we do see in the district, mm -hmm. but it's neat to see a group of people who are taking this idea, and then they're redeveloping their exploration targeting um, around this concept, and and they're proving it to be the case, right? They're they're finding things that are meaningful, and I think that's what really stood out for me. If there was a take-home message of this geology corner, right? <laughs> yeah. if there was like this is it. So listen, wake up and listen back. <laughs> so. Um, I kind of like calling it the, I like to coin it as a yellow car effect. Have you ever walked outside and seen 
a yellow card. You're like, whoa, I've never seen a yellow card before. <laughs> and then suddenly that day you see them every single yeah. 10 minutes. You're yeah. like, what's happening here? I'm being taken over. I always um, find that when I buy a new car. You see the same yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like, I'm like, oh, nobody has this car. And then I go out and there's like 18 of them <laughs> driving around. I'm like, Jesus. And but I, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like that happens in geology. Mm-hmm. If you take a district and you come up with a new idea and you actually like prove it to be the case and find something meaningful, just yeah. like Osisco Mining had at Canadian Malarctic, mm-hmm. um, they're going to find others like it. They've got basically full range of a belt because everybody keeps to kind of keep or keep to the textbook style of mineralization like orogenic systems mm-hmm. they're going to go f- look for orogenic systems like quartz veins and shear zones etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and so they might kind of have the blinders on they might not see all those yellow cars driving around all over the place and um and those cisco mining are just really tapping into that so i think that uh for any investor they can always say okay who are the team of geos that are on working on the project what have they found before is it different and uh, can we expect them to find something else similar like it again and a company maker like canadian malarctic and now potentially windfall i mean i guess in that particular scenario osisco mining could be proven now again. now interestingly like you said it's kind of a new um exploration model or a new, a new deposit model with which to explore kind yeah, of right yeah maybe new-ish it's, it's yeah around. they've known that the people have known that these deposits occur in the Abitibi mm-hmm. and other Archean belts, but they again they stick to the textbook style, right? Yeah. They just keep rather looking for the other thing than finding something new. Now, it's more work. I don't. I don't really know. How would it compare to maybe um, some deposits that listeners are are also familiar with in Quebec, like let's say um, Eleanor with Goldcorp or Lamoc? No, they're you... they're all mixed in. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's really crazy. But it's the similar moment. Like these are. Do you think they're all these? No, no, no. no. no they're no. all going to be different. Mm-hmm. This again is Archean system. So these rocks have just seen so much. They've just been, yeah. you know, train wreck after train wreck. So it's, after yeah, train wreck. yeah. And so it's kind of like everything's get masked. Like you have Eleanor, for example, a sediment hosted disseminated style orogenic system. Okay. Um, you have like Lamac, which is. And Sigma, which is a bunch of, well, there's a bunch of port, like, <laughs> cutting through it. So, yeah. I mean, that that's clearly sheer, sheer hosted as well, but again, mm-hmm. it has dock works. It has things that, um, like, kind of fell into this intrusive that was banged up from all the deformation. Yeah. So there's these intrusive hosted or intrusive style sort of mineralized zones occur all throughout um Quebec, even even like Hemlo, yeah, Hemlo, right? yeah, could be yeah. a perfect example as well. Yeah. That that's been argued that that could have like a bit of a porphyry stem. Um, <clears throat> so it's it, it happens, but again, it's it's a contentious subject. <laughs> Got angry geologists. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but at the end of the day, Canadian Malarctic is Canadian Malarctic, and windfall. Let's see what happens out of that. Mm-hmm. And the team there seems to be really kind of pushing this this deposit model, and um, you know, coming up with some great ideas out of it. So. And we, we should also mention Quebec is also one of one of the best places to work because of the government support and yeah. the super flow through. And um, anytime you talk to any of these companies that work there, they can't say enough about uh, the political support they receive for mining in the province. So that it, it's, you know, and, and also the Quebec, the government back funds are really supportive of, yeah, in terms, like they, they did a lot with Stornoway and put a couple hundred million in the government back funds did. And I mean, so that's why you see a lot. And I mean, when it comes down to it, with the tax rebates, you can drill. It's cheap, as, and the you know the access. Same with cheap, Ontario. Cheap. Yeah, so it's interesting. So yeah, so that that is great. I'm, That's I'm the super happy. Corner, everybody. So if you're going to invest money in Quebec, take a look at Leslie's geology piece so that you can get uh, buffed oh, up dude, on. You'll, you won't find 
anything like it out there. Yeah, yeah. So if, do if, yeah. If I if there was, then I wouldn't have written it. <laughs> so. We're breaking ground here at the Northern totally. Meyer. Uh, so that's in 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 this week's issue. Should yes. be on newsstands. Uh, tomorrow by the latest so do pick that up or or if you do get a direct subscription look forward to that do check it out um and again if you do subs- um if you do want to subscribe please surf by our, our website uh, it's a great bargain um just click the little subscribe button i think it's in the top left hand corner but do please subscribe um and this has been leslie's geology corner and welcome back to studio. Uh, I love those because they it gives everybody sort of like a toolbox um, when you're looking at specific companies or jurisdictions, rock types, drill holes. Um, Leslie's can kind of give you a little bit of point of reference so that when people are out there tackling some of the uh, more technical terminology, the colloquialisms we, we come across in this business, uh, you have a little bit of a, a ammunition to, to uh, do a little bit of your own judgment on, uh, on what you're looking at. Um, and we will be taking, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out uh, is that we will be taking some listener feedback back and questions for geology corner and some of the other special segments we will have coming up shortly um as i always say the podcast is is constantly evolving um but uh feel free to uh, hop on twitter um and uh leslie's at northern geo and i am at matthew keevil and feel free to fire us uh awesome questions or um inquiries on specific companies or drill holes or deposit types and we can always dig into it on air and leslie can uh, kind of break down some of the more uh opaque geological terminology you might run into so that's sort what we're aiming for and that's going to be a weekly feature moving forward so i'm excited about that um and now let's i just wanted to one thing i wanted to touch on was uh before we uh depart for the week um was that uh, there wasn't a, a bit of gold merger and acquisition activity last week um that deserves a little bit of discussion i think um and this was between kirkland lake gold which is uh sort of a ontario TV based company uh with the uh, Macasa mine complex um and then Newmarket gold which is actually uh, again an underground miner so they're both underground miners but uh new was a vehicle that was sort of um lucas lundin was involved uh, Ross Beatty was actually involved with both of these companies, um, but they had they bought a company called Crocodile Gold um, for I think it was just north of 180 million, about 185 million uh, in mid 2015, um, and they ended up picking up uh, a, uh, about three mines and some some exploration prospects in Australia. So. This one's interesting because what th- this is a reverse takeover. So what's happening is Kirkland Lake's actually exchanging its shares for new market shares, but will end up with an ownership of the new company. Um, so Kirkland Lake shares will be exchanged for 2.1053 new market shares. So uh, when all said and done, Kirkland Lake shareholders will end up owning 57% of the combined company. They will be taking the Kirkland Lake name. And from what I gathered from the conference call and press release, uh, the management will be predominantly made up of Kirkland Lake uh, executives short of um, they're keeping, I would Im- imagine, the mining team in Australia. Um, and this is interesting. It's uh, the equity valuation on this puppy is about one billion. Um, the combined market cap will be about two point four billion, and they're they're going to move from about two hundred thousand ounce producers each to five to half a million, so five hundred thousand ounces in annual gold production. So sort of trying to ratchet it up into the intermediate uh, gold producer um, kind of range, right? Um, and so people will be familiar with uh, with Kirkland Lake. They, as I mentioned, they have the Macassa Complex and the Taylor Mines in northern Ontario. Um, and the big mine for Newmarket is the uh, Fosterville Mine, where they recently had some really uh, interesting-looking drill intercepts at uh, targets called the Harrier South and Lower Phoenix uh, targets at their Fosterville Mine. So it, it, some of the analysts thought that, like, this was sort of driven because Newmarket hit some pretty pretty impressive looking intercepts recently, and and Kirkland Lake's been looking to uh, to expand. Um, a lot of the analysts that I read and spoke to um, 
expressed a little bit of surprise because uh, Kirkland Lake is is uh, is an Ontario miner, uh, well versed in underground mining on the Abitibi. But they are merging with a company that's solely Australian, really. So it's sort of across the world. But uh, one of the things that uh, Tony McCooch, who's president and CEO of Kirkland Lake, one of the points he made was... Hey, the corporate cultures are similar. Uh, you know, Ross Beattie's executive chairman. Um, and uh, also that they're both underground miners uh, with their own skill sets and they can work, you know, on synergies and stuff like that. So it's interesting. I mean, I, like I said, some of, some of the impressions I got from analysts or they thought that, that uh, you know, Kirkland Lake had previously bought St. Andrew's Goldfield to pick up the Taylor mine. They thought maybe they would just continue to sort of, uh, you know, uh, consolidate that area along the Porcupine Death Store Fault, where they've been really um, quite active and and are obviously very familiar with their, their technical team. But they decided that, hey, we can, we can do two really good jurisdictions, Australia and Canada, and we can boost production uh, 500,000 ounces a year. So it's an interesting one. I mean, um, uh, from a point of view, I mean, uh, again, we talked about the onset. There wasn't a, a cash component here. This is once again an all-share deal. But it's interesting that we're starting to see some of these, uh, I wouldn't call them juniors, but um, smaller scale gold producers merging once again to create more of a mid-tier or intermediate. And then it'll be interesting to see moving forward um, sort of what sort of, uh, well, A, the free cash flow, see how, what sort of uh, firepower they're going to have when these mines start going. Because the Fosterville operation in Australia, I have a sneaking suspicion <laughs> the great the average head grades may be going up there based on some of the discoveries that they made on the project to date. And then, I mean, as we all know, the Death Store Porcupine Fault in Ontario is prolific. And um, so it's, it's always interesting to see what Kirkland Lake's been doing at the drill bit there as well. So one of the things that they really made a point of stressing during the conference call is that all the projects that they currently have are underground mines in district scale camps. And so I'm assuming some of the things they're hoping is that A, the free cash flow goes up and B, their ability to raise is going to go up as well. More than likely, uh, the debt capacities, et cetera, will be higher. Um, and that will allow them to put more money into the ground. And that's one of the interesting things that we've talked about. Uh, Leslie and I discussed, I think last week, is that there is a lot of talk about the need to ramp up exploration and uh because you know as we all know over the past five years there's been real dearth of quality drilling just because it, the equity markets have not been cooperative um so now that everybody's looking again and, and the majors have been in cost-cutting mode they've been and one of the first things to go is always the exploration programs <laughs> um but uh so there's gonna be uh, one of the things that i talked about recently and this sort of works in a, along a similar vein is that um I was talking to her, I was on the major drilling conference call recently, and they were talking about how they think there's going to be an uptick in demand for drills. Um, and, and that's coming from both the major side. And they said there hadn't really seen a trickle down yet from the junior side, but they did note the uh, uptick in financings over the first half of the year. So it'll be interesting to see um, as, as you know, the people get going on, uh, on, on some of these drill programs at some of these relatively brownfield sites. I mean, um, we spoke a little bit about uh, opportunities possibly stemming from majors being really obsessed with near mine exploration and whether some of these non-core assets might end up in the hands of juniors, where this, where this exploration money is going to go, is it still going to be strictly focused? Focused on near mine stuff, so it's interesting things, and, and I mean that's one of the thing uh, the uh, points that Kirkland Lake and Newmarket stresses that they have 
these sort of district potentials in these these operations that that they they can expand and so you, you hear this terminology about organic growth again in in-house growth you know so it's an interesting one and uh i mean from a valuation perspective i mean it, it is um it's interesting that two companies so far apart geographically uh it'll be interesting to see how it works i mean uh from a synergy point of view um as we said it was about a one billion dollar equity valuation so um and it so $2.4 billion pro forma market cap when they're combined would be the the concept. Um, so yeah, so interesting stuff. I mean, uh, I, I wrote a bit of an article on it with some uh, comments from uh, Douglas Forrester, who's president and CEO of Newmarket, and from Tony McCooch, who is president and CEO of Kirkland Lake. So do surf by and give that a gander. And once again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Yukon Mining Alliance. Please do surf by and check out the Yukon Mining Alliance website and all the great companies that uh, are members. Um, and uh, one of the things that came across my desk, actually, uh, from my Yukon files, as I, as I call them, is that uh, uh, Western Copper and Gold, it was a casino project. Uh, I believe this was on September 23rd, so uh, about a week ago. Um, they signed a uh, memorandum of understanding to supply uh, their mine with liquefied natural gas uh, with calorie-based ferrous natural gas fuels. Um, so they plan to build two-phase LNG plant in Fort Nelson, British Columbia to supply the casino copper and gold mine starting in 2020 and the Selwyn lead zinc mine starting in 2022. So we've heard a lot of buzz about uh, the, prospe- the prospects for LNG in the Yukon. Um, and uh, one of the things Ferris said was, as long as there's road access, we can deliver LNG anywhere. And this offers a sort of um, uh, new solution um, for mining companies that, that are building projects of size. Um, so Western Copper and Gold obviously has the casino, which is a large-scale copper-gold porphyry project. Um, and uh, Paul Westsells, uh, president and CEO of, of Western Copper, said that they need a backbone of firm energy um, uh, just to, you know, it, it helps with economics and, and it helps with, uh, you know, scale, when it, when it comes to scale. So it's an interesting uh, interesting element, and we've been following the LNG story along. Uh, when we were up there, I believe, last summer, they had recently unveiled the uh, LNG plant in Whitehorse. Um, and so it's, it's just an interesting, uh, interesting thing going on, and it gives mining companies an, um, a, you know, a sort of new look on on, on that infrastructure challenge. And, and so when it comes to the territories and, and, and northern jurisdictions, it's always interesting to see how this LNG idea is going to uh, sort of evolve as we move forward here. So so that's always cool. So do surf by, uh, check out the Western Copper and Gold website uh, for their casino project, which is uh, currently moving through environmental regulations. So do keep an eye on that one. Um, and that's our show. So thanks again so much for joining us. We do appreciate the listenership. And this has been Matthew Keevil with the Northern Meyer Podcast, and I'll talk to you next week.